Amen. Amen. Real quick before you start the, the podcast, um, just want to welcome everyone to New Philly on this Chuseok Korean Thanksgiving uh, Sunday. I know for many of you, uh, last week, last week you maybe weren't here or you came to New Philly um, or came to New Philly Itaewon expecting to see a service and you may have found a shut door. And so I want to apologize for that. Uh, last week we had our, um, we had actually a special joint service at Hillside. New Philadelphia Church is actually a church made up of three different campuses and we're going to have many more as the Lord has called us to the nations. Um, but last Sunday was a special Sunday where we had a joint Sunday service. And um, so I kind of forgot. I meant, I meant to print out a sign and put it up on the door saying that we apologize, but we're having a joint Sunday service. And uh, in all the, the hecticness of preparing for the leadership retreat, I forgot. And so I know that some people came and you were standing and you were wondering, where is everyone? There's only five of us standing at this door and the door is locked and there aren't the 80 people I'm used to. So I just want to apologize and say I'm sorry uh, if you missed a Sunday service last week um, because of that. Everyone's here now, though. It's good to see everyone's face. <laughs> I guess it's kind of weird to start with an apology. Everyone's like, uh. but yeah, it's good to see everyone. I know a lot of people are traveling, so you're listening to me right now on the podcast. If you're happy to be in the house of the Lord today, say, I'm happy. If you're happy to be in the house of the Lord today, tell your neighbor, say, I'm real happy to be in the house of the Lord. <laughs> say it like you mean it. Say, I'm real happy. You know what I'm saying? It's always a pleasure to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Today, I'm going to speak to you out of, we're going to continue this series as we're going through the book of 1 Corinthians. And I'm going to speak to you out of 1 Corinthians chapter 4. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. You start the podcast already? Okay, good. When you're there, say I'm there. Okay, two people. I'll give you, give you a couple more minutes. First Corinthians chapter four. If you're there, say I'm there. there. <laughs> I'm there. I'm from North Carolina, so I like to have some southern draw on some of the stuff I say. I'm there. Actually, in high school, people used to call me Mountain Man. It's okay. You can laugh at me. It's fine. And it's because when I moved, instead of saying Wednesday, I said Wednesday. And so I said, "What?" They were like, "What day is it?" And I was like, "It's Wednesday. It's Tuesday. It's Thursday." And then when I came to Korea, everyone thought I was really country. And so I've tried my best to slowly but surely. Um, but anyways, 1 Corinthians chapter 4. <laughs> We're actually going to go through it piece by piece. So I want to set this up for you. Um, but before I speak to you out of this, let me pray for us. Father, I thank you that... That your house is not made up of, of walls, but your house is made up of living stones, of sons and daughters, of people that you care about and you treasure. And God, I thank you that every single person here today, Lord, is a part of your family, a part of your house. And God, I pray that as they are here, I pray that, Lord, that you would speak to them 
today by your word. God, I pray that today your word would be spirit and life, Lord, that it would be sharper than any double-edged sword, and it would really cut through. And Lord, it would discern our very thoughts, our hearts, our intentions, Lord, and it would make us better, God, as your word always seems to do. And God, I ask for your Holy Spirit to come and, and to touch each one of us, even right now, Lord, to begin to open up hearts and minds that may have came in closed or discouraged. I pray that, God, that today you would speak to us. And so, Father, I thank you for your word. I bind the thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And I declare that the word today will have a mighty harvest. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Today, I want to talk to you about faithfulness. I'm sure many of you, especially if you grew up in the church, you know a lot about faithfulness. You've probably heard like 5,738 sermons on faithfulness. I'm sure you've heard people talk to you all, all the time about learning to be faithful. Right? It's good to be faithful. Amen? Okay. Uh, <laughs> it's good to be faithful. Amen? I want to tell you something. If you're new to New Philly, we are a vocal house. We believe that God has given us mouths and that we need to use them. And that we even need to use those mouths to come into agreement. That when a word goes out and that it resonates with us or we, we catch that word and we believe that it is what, is what God is speaking to us at this particular moment, it's okay to say amen. All right, let's have some practice. Amen. amen. It's okay to say that's right. That's good. good. Give you guys some vocal training right now. I know in some some of our our Christian experience, maybe we've been in churches or in houses where if you say anything, if you cough, someone's like, (coughs) you know, you have a cold and all of a sudden you're like passing out because you can't breathe because you can't make a sound. But here in this house, we believe that God wants his people to be vocal. We're a family. And I'm pretty sure that when you're sitting around with your family, you're not there the whole time saying nothing. No. We all, we learn to agree. We learn to even speak out that agreement. Jesus said, if two or more of you agree upon anything, it'll be done by my Father in heaven. So I want to encourage you, when a word is preached and you believe it resonates with you, it's okay to say amen. What you're doing is you're coming into agreement that that word would resonate and have impact in your life. Amen? Amen. All right. I want to talk to you today about faithfulness. You know, faithfulness is the barometer for success in the kingdom. If you want to be successful, you want to increase, it all has to do with faithfulness. I actually preached out of this passage earlier this year. It was a a sermon by by the name, it was called... The stewardship of sons. And I talked a lot about stewardship. And stewardship even has a lot to do with being faithful. You know, anytime you're faithful, anytime you begin to diligently put yourself towards something in God's sight, it always positions you in a place for increase. It always puts you in a place in which God is going to increase and bless. Faithfulness is really important. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, after he's, he's spoken to the church about division and he's talked to them about so many different things, he begins to talk to them about his apostolic ministry. 
I know in some churches it's hard to, you can't really say the A word, apostolic. What does that mean? But apostolic in general, it just means to be a sent one, a messenger. And in the church in Corinth, they were actually challenging Paul's apostleship. They didn't, a lot of people didn't believe that Paul was an apostle. Or if they thought he was an apostle, they thought he was a lesser apostle. Then Apollos or Paul or, well, Peter was, a, was greater than Paul. But Paul was their spiritual father and he speaks to them. And the way that he talks about his apostolic ministry, the way that he talks about his ministry as being someone who's sent out to the nations to build, to plant, to impact the world, is he centers it all around faithfulness. New Philadelphia Church, we are an apostolic house. I'll be bold to say that we are an apostolic people. What that means is that we believe that God has put a mandate upon each and every one of us, whether you're new, whether you've been a leader here, that God has put a mandate upon us to impact the nations. The Bible says that we are the seed of Abraham. And that means that all the families of the earth will be blessed through us, each and every one of us. And we believe that we are an apostolic house. And an apostolic house and an apostolic call, it all centers around faithfulness. I want us to look together at 1 Corinthians chapter 4. And we're just going to read verses 1 and 2. Let's read it all together. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. 1, 2, 3, Shijak. This is how one should regard us as servants of Christ. And stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found. So some versions say trustworthy. Other versions say faithful. But the word, it all means faithfulness. Each and every one of us, we want to be stewards of the mysteries of God, right? We want to be stewards of God's power, right? Don't you want God's power to break into your life? I haven't met too many people on the street who say, I don't want God's power in my life. It's like, do you want to be healed? No, not really. Like, you don't hear that, right? Do you, do you want to see, you experience God's healing power in your life? Amen. Do you want God's power to break in into your family? You know, this is true. So a lot of people are, have went and they spent time with their families and their families aren't Christian, Right. So they have to leave and they're, where are you going? I'm going to church. What's wrong with you? You want God's power to break into your family. Amen. Yeah, I mean, if you say no, maybe we should talk after service. Like, I don't want God's power in my family. We want God's power to break into our finances. It's okay to say yes. We're blessed to be a blessing. I would, I would like for God's power to break into my finances. To empower me to bless others. I mean, we know about all these different things where we want God to break in. And when Paul's talking about the mystery of God, really what he's talking about, he's talking about the gospel. And he's talking about the gospel, but the gospel isn't just you getting saved. Pastor Anita preached about it at Friday Fire. She said, the gospel is not just a prayer that you prayed at a retreat that Saturday night, because it's always Saturday night at the retreat. It's not that prayer that you prayed then that got you saved. That's not the gospel. The gospel salvation is so much more than that. Salvation is not a prayer that you just prayed once. Salvation is a continual work that happens over the entire course of your life. 
And in the Bible, whenever Paul and whenever the apostles are talking about a mystery, they're talking actually about the gospel going to the Gentiles. They're talking about the salvation power of God that breaks in into our finances, into our family, into our bodies, into our health, into our soul, into our spirit. Not just being for the Jews, but being for the Gentiles. That's a good thing, amen? Aren't you happy that the gospel went to the Gentiles? I'm, re- I'm elated. I'm, I'm ecstatic. I want you to be as happy as I am. And he's talking about stewarding that kind of mystery, stewarding that kind of power. Each and every one of us, we're called to live in such a way in which that kind of power manifests in our lives. We're called to live in such a way in which we experience and we see God's goodness going out. But the only way that happens is if we're found faithful. You know, as I was preparing for this sermon, I realized that in the body of Christ, people are really faithful. Some are faithful. Well, people are faithful, in, but we're re- really faithful in different areas. Some people in the body of Christ, they're really faithful in unbelief. You know, God wants to break in and heal you. I'm not so sure. I don't know. Let me pray about it. I don't know. Sometimes people are really faithful in sin, bondage. Real faithful. Sometimes we can be really faithful in fear. You know, always afraid, so faithful, you know, (laughs) wake up in the morning. We're afraid. Go to bed at night. We're afraid. Wake up in the wake up in the middle of the night. We're afraid. Man, so faithful to be afraid. But God doesn't want that kind of faithfulness. He wants a faithfulness that embodies the fruit of the spirit, a faithfulness that embodies love, joy, peace righteousness he wants a faithfulness that embodies self-control he wants a faithfulness that embodies even all the blessings of god and he wants for us to be found faithful increase in our lives is directly connected with being faithful and paul as he's speaking here and as he's justifying his apostolic calling Moreover, it's acquired of stewards that they be found faithful. He then begins to talk about a couple different areas in which Paul's being faithful. He talks about a couple different aspects, not necessarily areas where Paul's being faithful, but a couple different aspects of faithfulness. And I feel that these are things that God wants to speak to us today. I realized this week I had like a burning in my heart. I was talking about it during Sunday swim that I had this angst inside of me. I felt all this pressure. I was like, you ever had those moments where you feel just so like filled with, I don't know, like you want to just go run a mile, but you don't really want to (laughs) run, you know, (laughs) like you, you, you want to go work out, but you don't want to go work out. Like you just feel like all this, like, uh, I don't know what's going on. I felt all this inside of me this week. And I was like, what's going on, Lord? I'm like praying. I'm like, did I do something? Like, what's going on? Like, why am I feeling all of this? And I felt like the Lord was saying, you know what, Marcus? You're feeling my frustration. You're feeling my frustration because I desire for my people to be faithful. I desire for my people to learn how to step out in faith. 
I desire for my people to increase, but increase won't happen without faithfulness. He said, Marcus, my people, they've got it so wrong in terms of faithfulness. So I want to talk about three different things. The first thing, and I'm going to pose these things in questions. In talking about faithfulness, I want you to ask yourself, who are you being faithful for? I said we're all being faithful, right? Who are you being faithful for? Notice I said who and not what. Because many of us, whether you're, all of us were faithful in certain areas. I mean, maybe you're faithful in your finances. Maybe you're faithful in the way that you relate to certain people or the way you do certain things. But I want to ask you today, who are you being faithful for? Many times when we think about faithfulness, we think about a what. What, am I, what is my goal? What is my vision? What am, I, what am I pressing towards? But the truth of the matter is, is that in terms of faithfulness, it's always about a person, not a project. Faithfulness is always about pointing towards a person, not a project. Ultimately, we're not faithful for money. We're not faithful for new things. We like new things. We're not faithful for a particular goal or achievement. The truth is that in our lives, we're actually faithful for the approval of a particular person. Faithfulness at its root is actually about some person's approval. And I want to ask you, who are you being faithful for? In verse 3 and 4, Paul begins to talk about it. He says, but with me, it's a very small thing that I should be judged. He's talking about being found faithful by you or by any human court. First, he says, you or any human court. The first area that we, or the first people we try to be faithful for is other people, right? We're faithful for other people's approval. Are you faithful just simply for the approval of man? At your workplace, at your family, even here at church. Here this Sunday, are you are you faithfully here because of man? So that someone will look at you and recognize that you're here. See, most people in large part, they strive in life for the social acceptance and approval of other people. We don't we don't say that outright. You know, I'm, I'm here for God. I'm here for Jesus. This is all about you. It's all about you. Who sees me here? Who recognizes? Most people strive for the social acceptance and approval for the people that, they, uh, that are around them. Everything that they do, everything that they are striving for, and everything that they're faithful in is centralized around somebody. I shouldn't do this because what if someone sees me? I'm going to do this because I know that people will recognize me. So many people, when they come into the church and, and they begin to have a relationship with God, all of a sudden it gets twisted. And all of a sudden, them being there is not about God, but it's about other people. Instead of worshiping the Lord with all their heart, blessing the Lord, oh my soul, all that is within me, blessing his holy name, it becomes, um, okay, I'm just, I'm just going to sing this song or I'll at least mouth my lips because I want people to think that I'm singing. Or maybe even in our service, 
We come and we serve and we give our lives and we lay ourselves down so that one person will tell us, you did a good job. So that one person will say you're faithful. But then when we don't get it, we feel bitter. We feel overlooked. We feel rejected. You know what I'm talking about? You know, when I first started serving here at New Philly as, as an intern pastor, all of a sudden the title of pastors jacked up my mind. By jacked up, I mean messed up. It really messed up my mind. Because all of a sudden I was this young guy, I just came out of college, and a year, less than a year out of, after graduating, I was called a pastor. I had not went to seminary, I not, and people were calling me Pastor Marcus. Pastor Marcus, Pastor Marcus this, Pastor Marcus that, Pastor Marcus, can you help me with this? Pastor Marcus, can you do that? And then even when I was here in church and I was worshiping here at a service and I was worshiping, all of a sudden everything that's going through my mind is, I'm Pastor Marcus. I'm Pastor Marcus. I'm Pastor Marcus. What will people think if, if Pastor Marcus does this? What will think of people think if Pastor Marcus does that? And I was doing everything for someone's approval. I was doing everything, hoping that someone would look at me and say, you know what, Marcus, I really appreciate you. Heck, sometimes it, it still hits me now sometimes. Can I be real? So I'm the media pastor here at the church. I'll be vulnerable with y'all. It's family. And one of the things I do here at the church as media pastor is I make a lot of graphics and banners and different graphic design. Now, when I put up a banner, it does not say made by Marcus Corpening on it. No one notices that anyone has ever spent time on making this banner. Usually when they walk into an event or something, they walk in and they're like, oh, that's really nice. Okay, hey, how's it going, you know? <laughs> and sometimes I realize that even in regards to that, I can start to feel like, well, why isn't anyone telling me thank you for that nice banner? I really like the colors. Man, those colors you chose, those colors were awesome. It really blessed me to look at that banner. You know, no one says that. Like, no one walks in and says, oh, that banner. Oh, that banner. I encountered Jesus as soon as I saw that banner. No one says that. And the temptation is for me to begin to define my faithfulness according to what other people say. So if someone else says, man, that was a nice banner. I really like that. Then I'm like, oh, yeah, that wasn't was a nice banner, wasn't it? But if no one says anything, then I'm like, no one likes me. No one loves me. Everything I do gets rejected. It's the Eeyore syndrome. Maybe you don't, maybe you don't do that, though. Maybe, maybe you don't look for other people's approval. Maybe the reason you got so dressed up today was for God's presence and not for other people. See, many of us, were faithful in certain areas, but we're doing it for people's approval. But see, Paul's different. Paul comes in and he's speaking directly to them. And he says, you know what? I'm not judged by you or by any human court. No one else, no one decides whether or not I'm faithful. God decides that I'm faithful. He says in Galatians 1.10, am I seeking the approval of man or of God? Because if I'm seeking the approval of man, then I'm not a servant of Christ. He makes it that clear that someone who's seeking the approval of man is not a servant of Jesus. At your workplace, in your family, everywhere you go, whose approval are you seeking? 
The second thing Paul says, he, he goes on, he says, judged by you or any human court. And then he goes, he says something remarkable. He says, in fact, I do not even judge myself. I'm not even aware of anything against myself, but I'm not thereby acquitted. The second thing is, are, well, are you faithful for people's approval or are you faithful for personal approval? Some people, you know, they're like, I don't care what nobody thinks. Psh, I don't care what you think. But really, they're faithful for themselves. They're faithful so that at the end of the day, they can look at the mirror and be like, I'm the man. Yeah, that's right. They're, they're faithful for their own feelings of self-worth and satisfaction. They're faithful so that at the end of the day, they can feel better about themselves. You ever met someone like that? It's like they, like, there's nothing wrong with recognizing that, you know, that God's pleased with you, that you're made in his image. But like the people that take it like an entire notch further, like they feel really, really good about themselves. It's like you walk up to them, and you're like, hey, you know, you look really nice today. And I know, thank you. I'm like, wait a second. I, I you, you complimenting yourself right now. I, I didn't, even, didn't even give me room to say anything. A lot of times people, we're, we're doing things out of, of faithfulness for ourselves, for our own personal approval, our own gain. We're judging ourselves and calling ourselves faithful. We're calling ourselves we're calling ourselves high and lifted up. You know, this is like that religious believer that prays and reads their Bible and goes to church, not for God, but so they can feel better about themselves. This is that rebellious person that's going out and is faithful to sin for their own self-indulgence. And all the while they're looking at themselves and they're saying, I'm faithful. It's motivated by fear or maybe it's that person who's so ridden with guilt and self-hatred that they're continually telling themselves that they they're at the lowest rung that they always fail who are you faithful for in verses four and five he says for I am not aware of anything against myself, but I am thereby acquit I'm not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring the light, the things now hidden in darkness, and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Then each one will receive his commendation from God. Is God your motivation? See, ultimately, it's the Lord who judges our faithfulness. It's the Lord who judges our faithfulness, and it's the Lord and people that he's delegated to us that judge our faithfulness. Because anytime you judge your faithfulness based upon everyone else's approval, you're setting yourself up for disappointment. Because you can't please everyone all the time. You know, one second you're, you've got their approval, and then the next se second something else changes and they hate you. When you're working for your own approval, ultimately you're setting yourself up for self-hatred or pride. But when you're faithful for God, all of a sudden he begins to exalt you. 
all of a sudden, everything that you do, God begins to put his blessing upon. When you're faithful before God, it says actually that he begins to shine his light upon the things that you do. And he begins to bring to light the things that are in darkness. I meet so many people that get filled with bitterness and, and hatred or, or unforgiveness because no one has recognized what they do. But there will come a day when God shines his light and then everything that they did in secret will come out. And then there will be those other people who walked around saying they were faithful when they had never been faithful in God's sight at all. And then he'll shine his light on that and that will be shown as well. But when you're faithful for God, there's always that, com that commendation that comes because God, he, it, says, it says he exalts the humble, right? But he humbles the proud. Who are you faithful for? You know, the thing that gets me about faithfulness is that one day when we stand before God, the thing that I believe will, will strike us the most, when we think about faithfulness, we think about like, you know, I should keep doing the same thing over and over. I'm being faithful. But the thing that'll strike, that I believe will strike us the most when we stand before God is when God reveals not what, we, not what we've done, but what we haven't done. When God reveals not just the areas where we've been faithful to put our hand to the plow, but maybe the areas where we haven't been faithful to take those opportunities that God has called us to do. In the church, we think that faithfulness is like, you know what, I'm going to do this. I'm going to make sure to do this. I'm going to make sure to do that. But faithfulness in God's sight is also stepping out and, and stepping out in faith and talking to that person on the street. Faithfulness in God's sight is, is also stepping out and forgiving that person that you've been holding unforgiveness against. Stepping out in faith is, and being faithful with God is actually taking that opportunity that he's been calling you to take. And he's been continually saying, why don't you take this opportunity? Why don't you walk through this open door? No, God, I'm trying to be faithful. At New Philly, one of our core values is to be faithful in the small things. But sometimes we can get it messed up and begin to think that God wants us to be faithful in the small things forever. Just being faithful in the small things. When God calls you to be faithful with small things because he ultimately wants you to be faithful with big things. God calls you to be faithful with small things because ultimately what he's trying to nurture is a faith inside of you that will get big enough that you'll step out and be faithful with large things. But that doesn't happen if you're faithful for other people's approval. There's so many people in the house that God has called to step out and start businesses. Start new ventures to step out. And one of the things that I can tell is holding them back is fear of what other people will say. What if I fail? What if I, what if I don't get to this place that I need to get to? What if all of a sudden I take this leap of faith, God, and nothing happens? You know what? I'll just stay here. I'm being faithful. Who are you being faithful for? The second thing, I know I said there's three things and those first three were sub points. <laughs> 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 The second thing, the second question is, how much are you willing to pay in order to be faithful? What cost are you willing to pay in order to be faithful? 
Paul speaks in verse 9. He's still speaking to them, and he's talking about faithfulness in a way. And he says, For I think that God has exhibited us apostles as last of all. Apostles, they're first. They're meant to go out and plant the church. They're, they're meant to put the foundation. But then he says that apostles are planted or are sent last of all, that they're at the bottom. God has exhibited apostles as last of all, like men sentenced to death. Mm. Because we have become a spectacle to the world, to angels, to men. We are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. Verse 10. We are weak in order that you would be strong. We are held in honor. You are held in honor, but we are held in disrepute. To the present hour, we hunger and thirst. We are poorly dressed and buffeted and homeless, and we labor working with our own hands. When reviled, we bless. When persecuted, we endure. When slandered, we entreat. We have become and are still like the scum of the world, the refuge of things. Can we cut on that AC? It's mad hot up here. These lights got me tanning. It's on. Can we cut that one on? It's so hot. Or we cut it off. All right. Everyone, keep your eyes up here. It's, it's just an air conditioner. See, the first thing God wants to know is who are you being faithful for? But the second thing is how much are you willing to pay? What's the cost that you're willing to pay in order to be faithful? You know, Paul was looking at his church. He was looking at these people and he was saying, you know what? In order to be faithful, we've been beaten. In order to be faithful, we've been like men sentenced to death. In order to be faithful, we've been seen as fools. We've labored, we've been slandered, and, and we've been persecuted. We've paid whatever cost necessary in order to be faithful. You know, many of us, we want the rewards of faithfulness, but we don't want the cost of it. You know? God comes and he speaks a prophetic word or he speaks destiny and promise over our life. I'm calling you to this and I'm putting this over your life and I'm telling you this. And all of a sudden we're like, all right, Jesus, do it. Or we receive a, an amazing breakthrough. And then the next day it seems like everything is going downhill. And the first thing that happens is we start getting depressed. What's wrong with me? I was talking to the leadership during Sunday Swim because that Sunday, last weekend, we had our leadership retreat, and it was powerful. God's presence came so thick, and God began to just release amazing things into the leadership of this house. And God began to do, he began to release his power and his presence. I mean, people were all over the floor. God's presence was touching them. I was one of them, you know. And, I, like, I'd, I've never experienced that before, like, Kirk Bennett, he came and he, he did this altar call for Africa. He was like, Where's the, where are the Africans? Where are the Africans? And I'm praying for someone and I'm like, does he mean African-American or African-like continent? Like, what is he saying? And he's like, African-Americans are okay too. And so I run over, right? And as soon as I run over, God's presence, he just starts praying and I'm the first one that goes down. And now I'm on the ground and I'm screaming at the top of my lungs. And I'm just like... Ah, ah, and I'm screaming and I'm screaming and I'm screaming and I'm screaming. And then he's saying these words and I'm not even realizing what he's saying is kind of coordinating with what's going on as I'm on the ground. But I'm kind of there in a travail position. I don't know what the right word is. Um, 
birthing, maybe? <laughs> birthing. I was in a birthing position. And he's talking about life over Africa, release life. And I'm like, ah, ah, like I'm just having this crazy experience. And at this time, what God was speaking to me was he was saying, Marcus, I'm birthing something in you. Marcus, I'm birthing something in you. And I'm like, this is weird. Ah, 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 you know, I'm like, this isn't supposed to happen to me. Ah, ah, you know, and I'm screaming. And, and it's weird because when God's presence comes upon you, it's not like he knocks you out. I was completely cognizant that everyone around us was looking at me. So I'm laying there and I'm trying to get up, but I can't get up because God's presence is on me. And God's speaking. He's speaking powerful things as to my destiny. He's speaking powerful things to me as to like, Marcus, you've been hidden and I'm going to do all these different things. He's speaking into my heart, unto my destiny. I get up. I don't know what's going on, but everyone's just kind of looking at me and they're like, wow, you had a powerful time, huh? It's like, what are you talking about? And then Monday hits and Monday hits and it's like everything's going downhill. Every Monday hits and I'm all like depressed. I feel depressed. And, you know, my life is just, there's nothing good in my life. There's nothing good going on. God doesn't love me. God has spoken this amazing word. And then all of a sudden the enemy comes with a little lie and I'm depressed. The enemy comes with a little bit of temptation and I'm discouraged. He comes in with a little bit of deception and I'm eating it up. And it's because we've, We've bought in the church to this mindset that the Christian walk and going to walking into the promises of God is meant to be easy. That it's something that we'll never that we'll never have to press in for. It's something that we'll never have to be stretched for. That's something where we'll never have to overcome for. We think that just because God has spoken a prophetic word into our life that the next day everything else is going to be completely easy. And then the moment we experience hardship or the moment something comes against us, we we shrink back. We want to give up. We want to quit because we're saying, oh, that's not, that's not what you said to me, God. I was actually reading, I read random books sometimes. I pick up books at What the Book, and, and God speaks to me out of these books. And I read this book, I read this study about children and about how what happens to some children is that they did this study where they did this study with these two different groups of children. And one group of children, they gave them all this really easy, they gave all the children these really easy tests. But, and all the children passed the test in flying colors. But one group of students, they looked at them, and after the students did really well, they looked at the kids and they said, wow, you're really smart. You're so intelligent. You're going to be president of the United States. You're so great. Do you know how great you are? You're going to be an astronaut. <laughs> then the other group, the other group that passed it did just as well, they turned to those kids and they say, Wow, you put so much effort into that. Wow, you were so faithful. Wow, you, did, you put so much effort. You did a good job. The kids, are, they're not thinking anything of it. They're just like, thanks, you know. They give the kids another round of tests. And well, this time, the next round, they give the, the kids an option. They say, kids, we're going to give you a, a slightly harder test or a slightly easier test. You choose. And of the group in which they went to them and told them all these great things, you're intelligent, you're going to be president of the United States, all of them chose the easy test. They didn't want to take the hard test because they thought that that challenge may destroy what, they, what had been spoken over them. 
But then the group that had been told that they were faithful, the group that understood that hard work was the, the pathway to getting by, when they understood this concept just through a sentence, they all chose the harder test. Then they gave them all an unbelievably hard test, all of them, a test so hard that they all would fail. It's kind of cruel. <laughs> all of them bombed the test, all of the kids. But the interesting thing was how they responded. The ones that were told they were intelligent, smart, that they were going to be astronauts, they all got unbelievably depressed. And they all wanted to give up. And a study said that it was those kids, it's kids like that who go on to never want to try anymore when they experience hardship. Those are the ones that give up immediately. As soon as a hard thing comes, they give up because they don't want to take a chance. Because they think that if they take a chance and fail, it's going to destroy everything that's been spoken over them. But then the other kids, they failed it. They bombed it. They did really bad too. But they said, you know what? I want, they wanted the teacher to go through every single problem and teach them how to overcome. I was reading that and I was like, man, this is the church, but this is what God wants the church to be. See, when God speaks a promise over you, when God speaks a word of destiny into you, when God speaks unto you and he says, I want you to steward the mysteries of God. He's not then just calling you to sit there and I'm not going to take any chances. I'm going to stay here. I'm not going to pay any price to move forward. No, really what he's calling you to do is to get up and take steps of faith. Knowing that even if you fail, it doesn't destroy the promises that God's spoken over you. Actually, what it does is it expands your capacity to reach those very promises. Some of you are understanding what I'm saying, but some of you aren't. That's okay. You'll get it when you listen to the podcast. See, many of us, we want the, we want the increase, but we don't want to suffer for it. We want the destiny. We want the purpose and plan. We want the increase. We want God to bless us, bless my finances, do all that. But I don't want to tithe. I don't want to give generously. I don't want to be faithful in, in being a generous giver. But Lord, bless me financially. God, I, I want to go into these mountains. I want to go and, and I want to start this business. I want to go out and I want to be a blessing to the nations. But... I don't really want to pay this cost. In Matthew 25, there's this parable. It's the parable of the talents. Where the master, he gives his, he gives his servants talents. He gives one ten, one five, and then he gives the other one just one. And it's all, it equates to a lot of money, actually. And he goes up to him and he gives him this. And then the one that has 10, he invests it and gets, him, gets 10 more. The one who has five, he invests it and he gets five more. But the one who has one, he buries it. He doesn't want to pay any cost for it. He doesn't want to lose this one. So he buries it. I'm going to save it. And then when the master comes back, he sees the other two. And what he says, he says, well done, good and faithful servants. But to the one who just buried it, he didn't want to suffer any loss in order to get gain. He looks at him and he says, you wicked and lazy servant. See, many of us in the body of Christ, we think that faithfulness is maintenance. But faithfulness is not maintenance. Faithfulness is increase. 
Faithfulness is sowing, even expecting, even having a, a little bit of a loss, a little bit of a struggle in order to have a lot greater of a gain. See, what are, you, what are you willing to pay to be faithful? And the last thing is, does your faithfulness, is your faithfulness just a matter of talk or is it a matter of power? What's being displayed in your Christian walk? Is it just all talk? We pray those prayers a lot of times and we just say a lot of stuff. But are you doing something? Are you moving? I want to give you guys two, just two quick steps to being faithful. And then I'm going to close with these two steps. The first step to being more faithful, to being faithful in God's eyes, here's the first step, is to get rid of all your excuses. To get rid of all the excuses. Many times we have so many excuses before God as to why we're not being faithful. God, I know you're calling me to step out and do this, but. God, I know that you're wanting me to do this, but. I know you're calling me to be faithful, to be obedient and do this, but. And we, we continually make excuses as to why we're not being faithful. We have all kinds of reasons as to why we're not being obedient. But, you know, making excuses, essentially, that's justifying yourself. And a person who justifies himself can't have access to the justification of Christ. A person who goes before God always making excuses for everything that's going on in their life, they, they don't have that same access for the grace that God wants to give them. I notice every time that I'm experiencing difficulty and I meet up with Pastor John Michael or Pastor Christian, I notice things go a lot harder for me when I make excuses. Marcus, well, why did you do that? Well, you know, I've been having a tough time. Some people been, some things have been happening to me. Other things have been, like, I've just, and I start giving all these excuses. And I notice that every time I give those excuses, my ability to access the grace to move forward seems to diminish each time. But it's the moment where I stop making excuses and I say, you know what, this is what I did. <laughs> or this is what has happened. And I'm honest. All of a sudden, there's, there's room for me to overcome it. Many of us, we're living and we're staying in the same place in our Christian walk because we keep making excuses about why we're there. We keep justifying why we're there. You know, I'm, I'm at the same level in my Christian walk because I didn't have a father. Because my dad was not there and he never encouraged me. And that's why I always have these issues. You know, I always am here. I can never take this step of faith because I never had someone there that was telling me that I'm awesome. I love what Bill Johnson said. He talked about how Christians don't take steps of faith. And many of them say it's because they didn't have a father. And something Bill Johnson, this pastor said, he said, get over it. He said, get over it. Stop making excuses. Because your excuses are keeping you from your destiny. Your excuses are keeping you from moving forward. And the longer you keep looking at your excuses, you can't look at God. That's a tough one. Just take out the excuses. 
And the second thing is to make it simple. Get rid of your excuses. Stop looking at your excuses and start looking at Jesus. Start pursuing an encounter with Jesus. See, Jesus is the faithful and true witness, it says in Revelation. It says in the Bible that Jesus, he's, he's faithful, even when we're not. But the Bible also says that as we see him, we become more like him. And as we see Jesus, and as you have an encounter with Jesus, that's what mo- motivates us to be faithful. I was praying last night, and I was asking the Lord. I was like, Lord, I want to be more faithful. I don't preach anything to y'all that I'm, I'm not, the Lord's not dealing with me, dealing in my life with. I was, I was praying, I was like, Lord, I want to be more faithful. I need to be more faithful. God, I desire to be more faithful. And he said, Marcus, what you're missing, you're missing an encounter. You're missing seeing me. David said, one thing I desire of the Lord and that one thing I'll seek is to dwell in his house to gaze upon his beauty and to seek him in his temple. When David was faithfully seeking the Lord, everything else came into his proper place. The reason why you may not be experiencing faithfulness in these different areas of your life is probably because you're missing an encounter with Jesus. And everything else is bigger than he is. I want us to pray. the reason why God wanted speaking out about faithfulness is because he wants to increase us. And he wants you and I to step into another level. He wants us to step into a greater level, a greater level of intimacy with him, a greater level of of his goodness a greater level of his power being displayed a greater level of his blessing that only comes from faithfulness and faithfulness is essentially being full of faith having your eyes upon Jesus gives you all the motivation you need to continue to run this race and to run it well. But what's been holding a lot of us back is people's approval, our own approval, or we've just been unwilling to pay the cost. So we've been making a lot of excuses before God, been giving him a lot of reasons why we can't be faithful. But today, God just wants us to give them those excuses. Lay them down. Say, God, I'm not going to give you any more excuses. And then just to begin to pursue after God. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you. Whatever you sow in the spirit reaps eternal life.
So right now, I want to give you an opportunity. If there's, there's different things, different excuses, different, whether it's people's approval, your own approval, or, or not, being, not wanting to pay the cost, I want to give you an opportunity to bring that before God. Lay that down before Him. Because it's keeping you from stepping into what God has for your life. It's keeping you from the increase that God has for you in this season. So how about we all just take a moment and just respond and pray. And lay these things before the Lord. Let's pray. feel that there's some steps, or there's some things that the Lord's been calling some of you to, t- to do, some steps that the Lord has been calling you to make, like in the parable of the talents, some things that the Lord's been calling you to sow in. And instead of being faithful to what the Lord has said, you've, you've given him a lot of excuses. But I feel like now the Lord's just He wants to give you an opportunity to to renew, to renew that, to take those steps. There's still a grace for you to take those steps. So right now, if there's some things, if there's a a particular step, whether it's in business, whether it's in your family, Maybe even in just simply your relationship with the Lord that God is calling you to take. And it's really clear in your mind right now and you want to commit to taking that step. No longer holding back. I just want you to stand to your feet. The Lord's going to honor this commitment. He's going to honor this. right now, I want, I want you just to begin to pray and I want you to begin to just verbalize with your own mouth, Lord, I'm going to make, I'm going to take these steps, God. I'm going to be faithful to what you've called me to do, God. I'm going to step out. I want you to begin to pray that. And if you're seated, I want you to begin to pray. I want you to pray for the people who are standing. This is an important moment for their lives. And so I want you to begin to pray for them right now. Everyone, let's just start praying in this house. Let's start praying. Yes, Lord. Thank you, God.
everyone. Let's just begin to pray right now. Leaders, leaders, start praying in the spirit right now. Start praying in the spirit. You're standing. Be making those commitments. Be very clear with the Lord. Be specific with him. Be specific with him exactly what he's calling you to do and exactly the steps that you're going to take. Father, I just pray for every person that's standing right now, God. And Father, I just pray for a release of your grace upon them, God. I pray for a release of your grace upon them, God. That, Father, that there's just no more excuses, God. No more excuses. No more reasons, God, to hold back, God. But, Lord, they're not going to be of the tribe that shrinks back, God. But, Lord, they're going to be the ones that press forward, God. And so, Father, I just ask right now, Lord, would you empower them right now by your spirit? Would you give them courage right now, God, by your spirit? Would you give them courage, Lord God, to move forward, God, not to look back, not to look back any longer, God, not to look back at the things in the past, God, but to press forward, God. Yes, Lord, I pray, Father, that you would even wake them up in the night, God, with vision, with dreams. You would speak to them, God. Clearly, God, as to the dreams and the callings, the purposes, the steps that they are to take, Father. God, I just release that grace over them right now, God. And Father, I thank you, Lord, that from them, God, testimonies, God, are coming from each and every one of them, God. That, Lord, over the next couple of weeks, God, even testimonies of your favor and blessing, God, are coming from each one of them, God. That, Lord, that you're going to open up doors for them, God, that no man can shut, Lord. And God, they're going to have the faith and the courage, Lord, to walk through it, God. The faith and the courage, God, to step through in boldness and in faithfulness, God. So, yeah, Father, we just come alongside them and we just say, go for it. We say, go for it. We say, go for it. We bless them, Lord. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, welcome everyone to New